The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. It is time for Break the Business, where we empower indie creators and have some fun along the way. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. Would like to start the proceedings off this week by giving a shout out to our guest last week, JT Daly, who has had himself a little bit of a week since he came on Break the Business. Let me tell you all about it. As you all remember, if you were checking out our show last week, we interviewed JT Daly about his album that he was putting out with the Dan Lebitard show called The Big Game, a musical about the Super Bowl featuring all of the hosts of the Dan Lebitard show. It was a musical that he put together in 30 days. And that album came out the day after we interviewed him. And what has that album done since he came on Break the Business? (laughs) What hasn't it done, I think, is how we should refer to it. The album was the number one selling album on iTunes within 24 hours of its release. And I checked the Billboard charts just today because I was curious to see if this album actually charted on the Billboard charts. And you better believe I was pretty pleased to see it debut at number four on the Billboard Comedy Albums chart. Not bad for our friend JT Daly and a true friend of Break the Business. We're all very, very proud of him. Speaking of people who we also hope... uh, can benefit from being on Break the Business because we certainly benefit from having her here uh, once every few weeks. Katie Zaccardi joining us. Hey, Katie. Hello, hello. How's it going? It's going very, very well. It's only a matter of time before you're charting on Billboard. It's that Break the Business bump. You know, you're here next week. You're, <laughs> you're going to be on like the you know uh, the you know country charts or something. Who knows? I will tell you that since I moved to Nashville, I've been writing songs like nobody's business. I haven't been finishing them, but I have been starting them. So maybe I will have a hit album, and that's next time I come on, or three years from now when I come on, I'll be promoting that. That's right. Well, starting is the first step toward finishing. That's what everybody exactly. says. Exactly. <laughs> That's fabulous. And it's so great to see you, Katie. I have TikTok on the brain. And whenever I'm thinking about TikTok, you're the first person I think of because last time you were on the show, you gave us a completely improvised masterclass <laughs> On getting started in TikTok, we couldn't find our guest, and so you just saved the program. There's no better way to put it. You saved the program when you were here last time by just throwing together an impromptu session on getting, uh, uh, doing effective things on TikTok. We very much appreciate it. And so I wanted to tell you a little bit about a topic we were discussing last week with respect to TikTok, because I think you'll dig this. Um, Ella Travolta, the daughter of John Travolta is currently doing an open verse challenge on TikTok. I know you're very familiar with these challenges, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, you, you, know, you, you make a, you do a song and then you keep playing, but you stop singing and you let your fans make videos where they fill in the verses. And Ella's got one for her latest single dizzy, which is now a challenge that's going on now. And one of the things that we invited all the viewers and listeners last week to do Katie is we told them if they did Ella's open verse challenge, we actually have a a direct line to Ella 
And so if they do videos and send them to us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com or send them directly to me on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R, we will send their videos directly to Ella, give you a direct line right to the person doing the challenge. And who knows, maybe it's your big break. We're, uh, we're happy to do it. Is there any way we could coax you maybe into finishing one of these songs and setting it to the tune of an Ella Travolta song? Oh, my gosh. Maybe for money. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I would. No, I would consider it. I sometimes do sing on the app. You know, I have to tell you, sometimes it's a little nerve wracking. Like, I feel like I've been out of the, the game of performing for so long that I'm like, I got to flex the muscle and I'm like hiding behind the scenes. So this would be a good way for me to just get put, be forced to put myself out there again. I think this is the right kind of song to get you out of your shell a little bit, Katie. It's a really sweet, slow ballad. I can't stop listening to it. Super catchy. Most of the people who I've played it for, like even the big time uh, fat cat industry types really dig this track. I think you're going to like it too. And, you know, just tell your friends about it. I I think it's a cool opportunity and uh, love to see if people can uh, set some great lyrics to this really cute Ella Travolta song. We got more to talk about on TikTok a little bit later in the show. Also coming up a little bit later in the show, our guest this week, we're going to chat with her after the break, Ava Kay. She is a Toronto-based singer-songwriter and film composer. She's a huge advocate for mental health and indie creation, Katie, so I think you two will have a lot to talk about while I just sit there silently and learn from you guys. So <laughs> that'll be a delight. But before all of that, I'd like to talk to you about one of my favorite punching bags on this program. It, I, I mean, basically, I, I live to eat, I live to sleep, and I live to hate on Spotify. And so we're going to get to my third favorite of those things this week because Spotify just loves to give us reasons to get a little uh, grumpy with them. Uh, <laughs> the Future Music Coalition reported this week about Spotify uh, releasing submission information about its new discovery mode feature. Are you familiar at all with the discovery mode that Spotify has been putting out? No, but I'm prepared to be angry. Yes, yes. That's set set (laughs) phasers to angry. That's where I want you as your (laughs) default setting. Before I tell you what Spotify is up to, I, you know, I'm going to take you back into the music wayback machine a little bit. I don't know if like this was something that you had learned about in your music business classes. It's not something that we talk about as much before, but are you familiar with the concept of payola? It rings a bell, but not, but I don't know. I gotcha. I gotcha. So <laughs> this was a big, big problem back in like the 1940s and 1950s. So it was a common practice on radio stations back in the day where if a record label wanted a radio station to play a certain artist's songs, song more. Mm-hmm. What better way to get those plays to happen than to just hand your favorite DJ a little bit of cash and say, hey, how about you give this uh, particular artist a few more spins? Right, okay. Yeah. Obviously, that kind of practice would do a number on making it very difficult for other artists to get their music out there. It would give major labels too much power. And so it became such a problem in the radio business that the federal, the FCC, the feds actually outlawed it. Payola is illegal and your okay. labels can't pay uh, radio stations directly to play music anymore. And now there are things you can do to get cute and labels are all about getting cute because they'll, you know, they'll play independent promoters and the promoters will, but we, you know, we don't want to get in the weeds. The point is we've all reached the judgment as a music industry that, you know, bribing 
to get more airtime is not something that we think is good for the music industry. Yeah. And so I am surprised when I read about Spotify launching something called Discovery Mode, which is basically Spotify telling you as an artist, like, let's say you have music on Spotify and you're like, hey, I bet you would like for your music to get more plays on Spotify, for it to come up more often on playlists, for our algorithm to favor your music a little more. Well, we'll be willing to do that for you if you sign up for our discovery mode feature. And all we're going to ask is that you take a 50% cut in the amount of money that we pay you for your recordings. 50%? 50%, right. So, so we're gonna, what's you know, 50% of 0.00000 nothing? Like, <laughs> it is a, it's a, like, you'll, you'll need a microscope to see your royalties. For real? But, oh my God. But right, to, but to coin, uh, to do a play off of the famous Rick and Morty quote, this seems a lot like payola with extra steps, right? It's, it's yeah. 21st century payola. You know, instead of you giving money to a DJ to play an artist's music, it's we're going to make artists take a cut out of their own royalties to get an algorithmic boost. But since there's only a finite number of minutes that everybody's listening to Spotify, if you give one artist a boost on the algorithm, you're inherently taking it, taking it from every other artist who is not willing to fork over more of their royalties to get that algorithmic boost. Yeah. And and so what Congress and the uh, Senate uh, House Judiciary Committee has actually come out with is said, well, isn't this going to lead to a race to the bottom? If if Katie is taking an, a uh, discovery mode and willing to take a haircut on her royalties to get more spins, then the next artist is going to do the same thing. And now all of a sudden Spotify is just getting to pay everybody half as much as they were before. And that's the fear. Yeah. That's the industry that we're afraid Spotify is dragging us into. It would be one thing if they made it more accessible for artists to run ads or pay like a membership fee to have access to that, but to just straight up cut royalties, it feels super scammy and just like an excuse for them to better balance their books and put more money in their own pocket. Like artists are already not getting paid enough. How does this make any sense? It's, it's very frustrating. And to me, it's the sort of behavior where you're basically just like holding up a sign in front of the halls of Congress and saying, please regulate us. Like you are just begging to be regulated. (laughs) Like if you're going to keep like cutting, like, you know, taking more market share, cutting artists royalties to the bone all, you know, eventually Congress is going to say, well, this isn't working anymore. We're yeah. going to set a floor on what you have to pay artists in the same way that the way songwriters get paid with ASCAP, BMI, and CSAC, where you have a minimum amount there. And there's actually a royal, a copyright royalty board with the royalty or the copyright office that sets those minimums. If, you know, Spotify keeps up stuff like this, if the streaming services keep stuff up like this, they're going to see the same kind of regulation. A future Music Coalition calls this perhaps the most brazenly anti-competitive form of payola we've seen in digital music. Uh, another yeah. another person called it bad for artists and bad for fans. So this kind of stuff is frustrating. And to me, if I'm Spotify, it's just a great way to get yourself regulated more because this isn't sustainable. It's bad for artists. And you're just asking for Congress to say, all right, we're just going to step in and say that you have to pay artists a minimum amount now because we can't just let you keep making artists compete against themselves to make their royalties lower and lower. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it also feels like a, a variation of like pay to play, which I feel like mm -hmm. it's just taking advantage of artists, especially artists who are newer and don't know any better. Like the pay to play is so, you know, oh, we're going to put you in front of an audience. You just have to sell these many tickets. It's great exposure. It's a great opportunity. But then it doesn't actually ever get the results that you want. And neither will this. I, I, I might be spreading conspiracy theories in, in a second. This and we encourage it. that around here. I, so, and maybe you know if this is true or not. But I had heard somewhere, it was probably on TikTok, if I'm being honest, that like Spotify had paid a good chunk of money to do an, a podcast interview with the Royals, like something like that. And I don't know if it's actually true or not, but just based on the drama that they had with the podcasters and like all of the weird things they've been doing lately, I don't understand how this company is still profitable. And even if they are, how are they, how are they spending their money on things that have seemingly nothing to do with music and then continue to just cheap out artists? Like it seems so morally against number one, how they started and their original mission, but also it's just wrong. And what's even more frustrating is that it is my preferred streaming app. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, I mean, so, it's like a great app, but yet how, what do we do? Like, what do we do when, when they're doing all these wacko things? You are absolutely right about the optics. When Spotify comes out and says, we can't pay artists more and still be sustainable. And then they give a hundred million dollars to Joe Rogan. and put artists on the air that is my platform for president jesus holy cow i'm i'm a little fired up now right and it's to me spotify is the most frustrating company to see do stuff like this because they already get so much heat for their low payouts right they have the lowest payout rate per stream of any of the major streaming services, mainly because they have the free tier and so many people are on that free tier. So it keeps their revenues low. So artists get less. And I think it was, what was it? 499 out of 500 artists on Spotify make less than $50,000 a year on that platform. So it is not a platform for building sustainable middle-class livings. Yeah. It is a place to put your music and effectively you're giving it away for free because Spotify is not making the investments it needs to make into creating a stable base of paid users yes. that can create a stable base of revenues to then pay back to artists. And really? measures like this discovery mode thing that almost swore on my own show... Uh, <laughs> are cutting what are already bare-bones low royalty payments, and that's super, super frustrating. Yeah. I, I feel like I want to move to a more pleasant topic, which is TikTok, because I know TikTok makes you happier than Spotify. <laughs> Not that TikTok is, is you, know, the time. you know, completely virtuous either. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I, I know it's a platform that you love, and so getting to talk to you about TikTok might make us all happier. And this actually does continue off of a conversation I had with producer Lauren about two weeks ago. We were talking about TikTok's global expansion strategy. TikTok basically trying to be the only thing you think of when you think of entertainment. A couple weeks ago, we talked about how TikTok is horizontally, horizontally integrating, right? They are trying to become the next YouTube. They're trying to become the next video app when you think of where do i go to watch videos they want you to think of tiktok whether it's 30 second videos whether it's 10 minute videos maybe someday whether it's tv series tiktok wants to occupy the whole field yeah. but as we're going to talk about on this story this week 
TikTok is interested in vertically integrating as well. They don't just want to be the place where you watch videos. They want to be the place that's producing videos, that is bringing you the artists and helping develop those artists and not just being the place where you can see those artists. Case in point, uh, TikTok announced this week that after a beta period that started in the middle of last year, they are now doing a launch of their own music distribution service called Sound On. So they are now, so not there, they're not just the place where you can watch videos, but they want to develop artists too. They want to give artists a place to upload their music. They're coming for CD Baby. They're coming yeah. for TuneCore. They're coming for DistroKid. And they got a pretty interesting offering. Let me uh, go through some of the basics here. So for artists who want to get on Spotify, because that idea of getting 50% of your already very low Spotify royalty is just so exciting to you. You can't just directly upload your music to streaming services like Spotify. You have to go through a distribution service. And most creators will go to DistroKid or CD Baby or TuneCore, one of those major ones. But you can now, starting pretty much this week, go straight to TikTok through its new distribution service, SoundOn. And they got a pretty interesting offering for you. They will let you keep 100% of your royalties in the first year and you don't have to pay to upload your music. After the second year, they'll take a 10% royalty. But you know, it, it looks like they're going to create one of the best options in terms of distributing your music of, of any of the ones out there, at least for that first year. And that's a pretty interesting development in and of itself. Uh, did, did, were you aware of this, uh, that, that they were thinking of getting into this business? No. And I actually have a question. <laughs> All right. Go for it. Because I haven't used, I used to use CD Baby, but yeah. like, do you have, do, do all of them take royalties now? Cause that seems weird to me. That's a very good question. And the answer is it depends on the service. One of the, right? cause whether you're going to CD Baby, whether you're going to TuneCore, whether you're going to DistroKid or SoundDrop or any of these United Masters, they're all pretty much offering you a fungible product, right? Yeah. They're all just putting your music on Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, iTunes, etc. And right. they can all do that. Like you're not gonna like you're not gonna find one that does it that much better than another one. Right. So really where these platforms are distinguishing themselves, in addition to like, you know, maybe one of them has like better metrics than the other, might be more user friendly than the other, but the main way that they're competing against each other is on their pricing. Yeah, exactly. And when choosing a distribution service, you're going to want to look, you know, one of the things you're going to want to consider is how are they charging me? CD Baby is the more traditional. They, they're the, you know, they were one of the first ones to get into this business. And yeah. they, and their model is based on a low upfront fee, but they're going to take 10% of your, of all your money that you make on all the different streaming services and iTunes forever. And we've had Kevin Bruner from okay. CD Baby on the podcast, and he said, that the reason why they take the 10% royalty is because they are it actually incentivizes them to do a good job for you, right? Like if if they have some skin in the game, they're going to make sure your music stays on the services. They're going to really try to go out and find opportunities for you. Whether you want to say that's true or not, that's the argument they make. Okay, Con fair enough. Now, contrast my that music, with... I was through CD Baby. So at the time, like yeah. eight years ago or whatever it was when I put it on, six years ago, I must have known that. I just forgot. <laughs> Right. I'm well, like, they're taking 10% of my music? What the heck is this? Well, but I guess it is It is industry standard. So when well, you compare that to TikTok, it's not so bad what TikTok's offering. 
No, uh, the pricing's actually good. Well, like the CD Baby one, like whenever I'm like trying to walk artists through which streaming service to go with, like when I have a client, they're going to distribute independently, right? They're like, which one do I pick? And I'll, I'll give them, I'll give them a CD Baby, and I'll say, well, CD Baby takes ten percent, and they'll go, what? That's outrageous! If I make a million dollars, they're going to take a hundred grand. And, and I was like, well, you can try TuneCore because TuneCore doesn't take a commission. Yeah. But you pay more up front and they go, yes, let's do TuneCore. But what many artists don't realize is because, as we said before, you don't make very much money from these streaming services. Mm -hmm. Unless your song really pops off, you're often better giving up 10% of a very small amount of royalty that's collected yeah. than to pay a big amount up front, which is the way TuneCore works. And I think right. is also the way DistroKid works. And I so think one of those or multiple, you have to pay yearly to keep your music on, right? Yes. They, Which they always do. discouraged me because I'm like, well, that's frustrating. I just want it to be on there forever and not have to worry about it or deal with it. That, and I have seen a few artists in the past that have got burned by that when doing it with TuneCore or DistroKid, where they'll spend, you know, the $75 to put it up there. Yeah. And then the song doesn't do very well. And then like, they're like, I don't want to pay another 75 bucks and they'll just let their song die. But to TuneCore's yeah. credit, to Distro's kids' credit, they've realized that this is a problem and they've created like a, a separate option where you can pay a smaller fee and just basically pay to keep your song on forever so you don't have to keep paying the money year after year. So that's yeah. an option. So TikTok is doing something interesting here because they're mm -hmm. not charging you up front yeah. and they're not charging you a royalty for the first year. And then after the second year, then you're paying 10%. So why would TikTok do this is the question. What am I giving up in exchange for this really good pricing deal? And I've looked at the TikTok licensing agreement and what you're giving up is some amount of exclusivity with respect to the sync licensing on your music. So Ooh. Yeah, there you have <laughs> any music that you upload to TikTok. You have to keep on there for at least six months. You cannot pull it for okay. six months because they want to have an exclusive license to synchronize your work for that six month period. Will Here's you get the, paid for that? Uh, yeah, they'll they'll split the money with you. But because because remember so what TikTok like also acting as like a publisher almost in, in a sense. And if you're wondering why TikTok isn't trying to make money off the uploading, it's because the artists who upload a TikTok are not the customer they're the product you know yes. they yeah. they are they want to tiktok has an interest in having as much music uploaded to their platform for other users to make into tiktok videos as much as possible so they don't want to make they don't want to put any barriers in the way of musicians uploading music so they'll absolutely right. let, let you upload it for free as long as you give tiktok a lot of flexibility in terms of syncing your music Here's the really tricky thing with the TikTok service, and this is where I think a lot of artists uh, want to really read the fine print on this. TikTok's service does not allow you to upload covers. Everything that you upload has to be an original musical composition. Services okay. like CD Baby and uh, DistroKid have a special service where if you want to upload a cover— you can actually uh, work with them and they'll help set up the mechanical licenses for you. Yeah. TikTok does not do this because remember, TikTok needs to have the full sync rights, which you don't have if you're uploading somebody else's music because right. that other songwriter owns the sync rights. And so this 
option would not be for everybody if you're the kind of artist that likes to upload a lot of covers. Then you yeah. would not want to use TikTok service for this. Which isn't the end of the world, but I do find it... A, I understand why they did it, but I find it somewhat surprising because I feel like a lot of music that does well on the app is often reimagined covers so you oh, yeah. think that they'd want to figure out a way to to make that work but yeah this is really interesting i i feel like even though i do love tiktok part of me doesn't like fully trust them mm-hmm. and i also don't even I, though you one, put tons have, of videos on there yes but, <laughs> <laughs> but when it comes to like making money app with making money app making money with the app or through the app or things like that i'm a little skeptical like i don't i'm not qualified to be in the creator fund yet but i know a lot of people have a lot of opinions about that and that it's not really the best thing and that they don't pay so well so on the one hand i'm thinking maybe this is a way for them to better compensate artists and give artists a leg up and an opportunity to save money potentially make money if they're helping them get syncs or if they're having a hand in that like if they're if they're favoring artists who have distributed through their platform and they have like a sync team or something that's you know pushing uh pushing those songs to get sync placements and putting in front of supervisors that could be really interesting that could be a good opportunity for artists but i definitely am skeptical like is this going to end up turning into some version of their creator fund where it sounds good but it ends up being a little too good to be true yeah and you with every you know with everything that's uh with TikTok you got to remember that you are an input for them you are a yeah. you are a supplier for TikTok you're not the customer right yeah. their their model is they want music on their platform that they have a complete 100% flexibility to allow their users to make all the videos in the world and if you remember that that's what your role is in this project you can use this kind of distribution maybe as a promotional tool because if obviously if you can get a song to pop on TikTok that can lead to streams on some of these other streaming services but you know it will they can still put your you know they'll still put your music on all the other services right you can up you can upload through TikTok's sound on service to Spotify to Apple Music to iTunes etc so it, it does give you that kind of flexibility there yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how all this shakes out. I got to say, Katie, when, when it comes to the major distributors, like there are there are hundreds of them. And so I can't vouch for every single one. Yeah. But I can tell you that and, and maybe you have a different perspective on this because maybe you've spoken with other artists who have a different opinion. But I've worked with clients who have uploaded through all of the major ones. They've uploaded through CD Baby, TuneCore, DistroKid, SoundOn, because uh, mm-hmm. I, I worked with some artists who were part of the beta there. No, that's and cool. I've never, like, I've, I've met artists, and every artist I've talked to, they've they found that all of them did the job, right? Like, it's not like one of those services really dropped the ball for anybody yeah. I've ever worked with. And and so the differences between them are pretty marginal. Uh, yeah. Ari Hurston from Ari's Take has a, a nice article that you can Google that kind of compares and contrasts the streaming services and they differ on the margins, but on the whole, they're all going to get the job done for you. Some of them have, you know, slightly cool, interesting tools. I like the distro kid tools in terms of uh, how you can upload lyrics through them and make the lyrics uh, karaoke style and things like that. There's some cute little tools there. CD baby's got really good metrics and I trust the people there because they got solid people working at that organization. But again, these are marginal differences that every single one of them will put your music on Spotify to get exploited yeah. by Spotify if that's what you want. 
Who said that? Isn't that what we all want at the end of the day? Deep down inside. Yeah. We all just want to be exploited by Spotify. So. <laughs> Yes, hey, listen, if I can get them to pay me a hundred million dollars for a podcast, I would do it. That's what I'm thinking. Like, that's you know what? That's that's the plan, Katie. Is we got to get as many artists on Spotify as possible so that you and I can get break the business on yes. uh on Spotify and we'll split the hundred mil 50 50. I'm you know, in, it's a done let's deal. Let's do it. Everybody spread the word because we need our cash. Well, we will we will spread that wealth with our our producer Lauren, of course, because you know she's helped make this happen. And we'll we'll be sure to kick some over to our awesome guest Ava Kay, who I'm sure is going to have a fantastic interview for us in the next segment. That's going to take us straight to the top. Let's take a quick break for that, and we'll talk with Ava Kay coming up right after this on Break the Business. Ryan Carella here. I hope you're enjoying the show, and I hope that you're getting a lot out of it. I do what I do because I care about creators like you. A lot. I've dedicated my career to helping creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations move forward. I do it by hosting this program, and I'm also proud to do it in my legal practice. If you're a creative professional looking for solutions-oriented legal services to help you further your goals, I'd love to help. My firm RKPA does contracts, commercial law, copyright, trademark, and more. Visit rkpalaw.com to learn more. That's rkpalaw.com. Ryan A. Corella, PA, Miami, Florida. Streaming services for Break the Business provided by L.E.K. Entertainment. L.E.K. Entertainment is a full-service entertainment company offering everything from consultations to full-scale events and productions, including audio and video productions, voiceovers, staged theatrical productions, script and music development, and streaming services. For more information, visit lekentertainment.com. L.E.K. Entertainment wants to help you bring your story to life. Thanks for supporting Break the Business. If you have a question or topic that you want us to discuss, email us at breakthebusiness@gmail.com. You can follow the host, that's me, on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R, and you can follow the show at The BTB Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and on all major podcast platforms. And now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Break the Business, you lovely human beings. Let us bring our guest on this program, which you can find on all the major streaming services, on podcast platforms, and Sirius XM 145. Our guest is a Toronto-based singer-songwriter and a TV and film composer. Her latest music video for her song, Go, which Broadway World has described as having effortless and deeply moving vocals, is available now. And you can find out more about our guest's work by visiting twitter.com slash Ava K Music. We are happy to welcome Ava K on to Break the Business. Hello, Ava. Hey, guys. How's it going? It is going wonderful. So happy to have you on the show. I would like to start by talking about your new music video for your song, Go. I was digging on it. I was enjoying it quite a bit. And I want to talk to you about the message of that song to start the proceedings off here. The song's really about having the courage to leave the old parts of your life behind, 
transitioning to the next phase of your dreams, leaving a relationship, leaving your town, leaving home to take the next step. I can't help but think that there's something autobiographical in that message, perhaps. Uh, maybe you are the subject of that song. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that portion of it? Yeah, sure. Well, first, thanks for having me and thanks for the kind words on the song and the video. Um, uh, yeah, the, the video and the song was written um, in a positive light. So leaving is a good thing or that, you know, everyone needs to take that step in order to move on and grow and, you know, become the person that they're supposed to be. Um, it was definitely a personal <laughs> situation. It was um, a crossroads between my career and my personal life, um, I was um, signing a deal and the person I was signing it with is someone who was very close to me. And so when that deal didn't happen, it was a parting of ways of both this project and the relationship. So it was quite painful uh, time. And so the lyrics, when I wrote the song, they kind of were like the lyrics like I needed to hear to move on. So I kind of wrote it to myself, I guess. Um, if that makes any sense. <laughs> uh, and lots of the times I write music, it is just like self, self-soothing, self like, hey, it's going to be okay, or this is how I feel about it, or, you know, messages to myself. <laughs> how much can I probe you on a little more about that business deal, that relationship deal that was happening there? Because that from the way that you are describing it, from the tone I'm hearing in your voice, yeah, that that must have been something that was pretty pivotal, shaping you both as an artist and just as a human being. So, like, was this like a, a record deal, a management deal? Yeah. What was happening there at that part of your life professionally? Yeah, I, I don't really usually talk about it, but I, I, I will. It was basically a record deal, uh, okay. and it was for um, a project, like an artist project that I was in with someone who I was very close with. And basically, um, we were going to sign a deal, like an artist deal, uh, with a label. And um, as the time came, we just had different ver visions of what the deal meant. You know, I had like, I was like, oh, we're going to do X, Y, Z. And the other person was like, oh, no, we're not. So I was like, oh, wait a minute. Like, this is so weird. Like, we built up all this work and we did all this work to get here. And all of a sudden, the deal came and it was like we were on different sides of the, you know, the spectrum. Um, so, and the reason why I was pivotal is because I had like a very, very long relationship with this person in terms of how much music I've been making with them for many years. So yeah, it was pretty pivotal. And actually, um, I want to say that it helped me, uh, move to the next step in my life, which was getting more into film composition and focusing on film and TV work. Cause the work I was doing previously, um, I started as a pop singer songwriter and I found myself wanting to write more music that is related to film and TV. So I don't know. It was like an, it was a very like interesting time because it did segue me to like focus um, on this new path that I'm on now. And I do want to talk to you about <laughs> the film composition stuff because I love talking with the creators like you who write songs for your own music, but also do music for film because I think the processes are both so interesting and different. Yeah. I want to, I want to get one more question in on this. Sure. Pre previous subject, Aaron, I know sure. it's like so no, personal and sensitive, no, but, no, but here's why I want to ask you about it, because yeah, sure. there are a lot of artists like you who have that moment where you have spent so much time and emotional energy yeah. going in one direction. 
Yeah. And when you're telling me that you kind of had to, when you came to a moment where you realized this isn't working, this isn't aligning with my vision, I have to take it in a new direction and write a really cool song along the way. Yeah. That must have taken an incredible amount of courage, more courage than like I probably have. Yeah. So, Talk talk a little without going into like any personal details that are gonna like you know really be uh you know none of my damn business. Tell us your deepest darkest secret. That's that's all I'm asking. Yes. What talk about what gave you the courage to be brave enough to go? I'm gonna just completely turn on a dime and go in this new creative direction because I think artists can learn from that. Yeah, I, I think um, if I you know think about it for a minute, it was you know it was a few years ago now, um, but when I reflect on it. It probably was because I felt, um, you know, when you're in a band or you're in a project doing something with someone else, you you end up compromising a lot and you end up like trying to mold and trying to like make it work all the time. And I think in that relationship, I felt like I gave it everything I had. And I don't know that I was being it was being reciprocated. And I think in some weird roundabout way, it was the reason why I I didn't proceed or it fell apart because I felt like I had to stand up for myself more than anything. Um, so it was, it was a, a learning lesson about uh, looking out for myself and after myself, especially in this industry where, you know, we can get so uh, caught up, you know, you guys were talking about TikTok deals and, you know, just trying to do anything to get ahead, you know? So it was one of those moments uh, more anything, just standing up for myself and, recognizing my worth and just understanding that this wasn't meant to be because if I were to go down that road, it would have been more heartache and less being able to stand up for myself and less, less me, you know, and I'm a very collaborative person. I'm very like, um, I like to work with people. Like I'm, I'm very much into that, but this situation in particular, uh, yeah, I think was, it was more about a personal growth more than anything. And look at all the growing you've done uh, professionally, personally. I love it. Katie, you got that look in your eye where, uh, where I feel like you're thinking, I've I've seen this before in, in the in the consulting work I've done with artists. Like this yeah. this is a common narrative, right, Katie? Oh yeah. I mean, I have one client in particular who is in a very similar situation, but I feel like it. I see it so much. Whether it's just uh, someone who is a solo artist but feels like they have to be doing certain things from external or internal expectations that they have on themselves. Or people who are in partnerships and then, again, feel like, you know, you want to work with this person and obviously you started a partnership for a reason, but then if people start going in different directions, number one, not only is it hard because you don't want to disappoint the person, but you also want to stay true to yourself. So it's some often hard to communicate, but then you also add in like the sunk cost fallacy, which I feel like a lot of people struggle with that makes it harder to let go, where you feel like... I put so much time into this project. I put so much time into creating X, Y, Z and trying to make this work or with this person. So is it, is it worth just letting go? And usually it is. <laughs> it's the lesson just like you had <laughs> where you end up exponentially growing and, and really finding more of yourself when you do, but it's not always easy to do it. And I feel like, you know, just like Ryan was saying, it takes a lot of courage, which is amazing. And I just love that you're sharing your story. And if I can sneak a question in, I would just ask, like, what would you say to artists who are experiencing something similar, whether it's with a partnership or just within themselves, where they feel like they're maybe acting or doing things in a way that is kind of for other people and not truly for them. And they want to really go their own way. 
but they're feeling like there's some stuff they've got, they've got skin in the game. They've got a sunk cost. They, they've got expectations that are kind of looming over them. Yeah. Um, I think one, like every artist goes through such a journey. We all like, you know, do things we didn't want to do. We cut a song. We didn't want to sing. We like wrote something or like had a manager that just didn't treat us right. Like we all like, there's like, first of all, there's like the learning. So your first steps of like getting into the industries, there's an expected, I think like um, a passage that just happens to everyone, you know, <laughs> where you all just go through, you all learn this lesson. Um, but I think the the biggest thing for me that I've learned as I've, you know, gone through it is, is like figuring out what your like core values are and your, mm. and your, your core, um, intentions because if you can stick to those at every decision making process and every time you go to do something or you have to think about it sticking to those closely will like I think will lead you into a path of like um least resistance if that makes sense um Mm -hmm. because when you're aligned kind of with who you are and what it is you're looking to do then you feel better even if there's a mistake and even if there's something crummy that happens at least you know you did it with that um, with yourself in mind or like your, you know what I mean? Your focus in mind, when you go off focus and you start, you know, not understanding where, where your purpose is or, or like, um, yeah, what your values are or what the car, like what your intentions are with the music you're making. That's where like guilt and weird feelings come up when you make those decisions. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Oh, I shouldn't have done that. And I, uh, you know, those kind of like regretful kind of elements. So I just like learned that and I honestly probably only learned it more recently. So it's, it's a journey, but yeah, just stick to your, like, um, your values and your, like, yeah, your gut, I guess. Well, now we have to ask, what are <laughs> Ava Kay's core values? What oh, are the things that you don't budge on that have been forged through uh, years of learning yeah. about what matters to you in this industry? Um, I mean, they're pretty, they're pretty like basic things like, uh, honesty, uh, integrity, you know, like if Mm -hmm. you, if you set out to do something or you say you're going to do something, do it, uh, like commit to the work. If if you take a project, like be honest that you truly want to do it and you're going to be able to see it through and you want to do the work. Um, and just like when a situation has arised and you just feel like, yeah, that isn't for me. You, you flat out know it and you stick to it and you say no and you say, yeah not for me or yeah. So not going, Hey, yeah, maybe I should do it. Like, just like in that wavy, like weird zone, when I'm in that wavy zone, then there's something not right. You have been very kind in allowing us to just get deep into the recessions of your soul, even though we just met you. And so I'm pretty sure that everything I just said, my therapist told me. So there you go. go. (laughs) And our time isn't even up yet. I, but because you've been so great in that regard, and we've and this has been a beneficial part of the conversation, I do feel like we should give you one like safe question about your songwriting sure, process. Sure. Because I am legitimately interested in this. I love yeah. Katie talking to guests who are both songwriters for their own original music, but also songwriters for film. Because as I said before, oftentimes the process is very different. And I've had I've had guests tell me who do both. That, oh, it's so much easier to write original songs for myself because I'm using my own life as subject matter. Mm. And then I have 
guests who say, oh, no, it's so much easier to write something for a <laughs> film. It's already kind of laid out there for me. I don't have to dig into the depths of my soul. It's all there on the page already. Yeah. So for you, Ava, which which is easier for you? Which creative process uh, you know, is, is smoother? Uh, yeah, I think writing songs for me is the easiest. It was like the first thing I ever learned how to do when I was getting into the music industry. So writing songs, uh, I would say, is much easier than um, scoring. Uh, writing songs for film and TV, again, very easy. Like if I'm doing it for myself or or for a, like a, a TV show or something. But I will say, I find that writing songs that I know will be released for myself, that's actually a bit tricky because you know, it, it, you have to like really create this world or like this uh, vision that you want to show. So I've written a bunch of songs, but I don't necessarily want to release them for myself. Whereas like film and TV, there's like a, there's like a, a topic and a theme and they're like, do this and you just do it. So it's, it's, it's interesting because writing a song is probably the easiest, but like, it depends on yeah the application and where, where it's going. So now, so you, when, so when you say writing songs for film and TV, yeah. You're talking about like sync projects, right? And then, but then you also do scoring on top of that. Yeah. Where you're writing like a completely new score for a film. Yeah. So I, I work for some networks that basically have a TV show and they know in advance there's going to be a scene and these are the characters and this is the like theme. So I have to write the song in advance, like for the TV show, for mm -hmm. the placement. So that's one way. Another way is if there's a movie I'm working on. And they are missing a song in their like music supervision. Like they're like, hey, we just don't have a song. Can you fill this gap here for a party scene? You know, uh, yeah, you just kind of go, okay. <laughs> you just like <laughs> make a little baby like, you know, version of a song and just like throw it in kind of. Thing. And so you have to sort of come up with something on the fly that yeah. sounds like it could be something that's on the radio. Exactly, right? exactly, exactly. That's yeah, did I answer the question? Now I'm like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> no. That, well, th to me, that's really interesting. Like, because yeah. you often yeah. hear about sync licensing where it's like, I've yeah. already written this song and I'm going to get it to a music supervisor who's going to put it in. But what yeah. you're talking about is kind of this interesting hybrid between traditional sync and scoring yeah. where yeah. you have to come up with like a bespoke music that sounds like it could be on the radio. Yeah. Yeah. And but, you know, you're actually just making it for this uh, production. I love that kind of music, but sometimes I get frustrated by it because I'll hear a really great song in a commercial. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is awesome. I fire up Shazam because I want to just download it on iTunes right yeah. away or listen to it on Spotify right away. And then it doesn't exist because somebody yeah. just wrote it for that specific thing. <laughs> Well, it's funny. Uh, I don't know if you guys know the story about Go. I don't know my, how much time we have, but so Go, I actually... Enough time to hear a cool story. Go yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason why I released Go for myself as a single is because um, I had originally wrote it for a library company and mm. it got picked up and had its own like life um, for like a major movie in Asia and then it got into like a Hallmark film and it was just like getting like all these placements. So people would Shazam and not find it. Exactly same thing. Oh, I, no. I have I have 44,000 Shazams for Go. Before, before, you, before, before, you before I released it. Oh man. So that's like awesome. missed opportunity that you yeah. just had to take advantage yeah. of. That's crazy. So now I'm like, oh, no one's listening to the song. But you <laughs> know, I, I don't care about the numbers and stuff. I just wanted it to be there for people to like have access to it. But 
Yeah, like it's just such a bizarre same thing. Exactly what happened. So you spared you, you spared other people the frustration I go to when I hear <laughs> when I hear a song in a commercial that absolutely slaps and then I cannot find it yeah, anywhere. Exactly, exactly. So I like re-recorded it. It sounds very similar. I just redid it basically and yeah. So it's like a cover, technically. <laughs> this was just thinking, of my own song. You covered yourself. Yeah, yeah like, hey, I Ava, do myself. I have permission to do your song? Sure, Ava, you can cover it. <laughs> I know, and believe it or not, I had to get I had to get approval and uh, mechanical license for it. <laughs> <laughs> Is it co-written no with anyone, or, or just it's literally just it, you, but just because of the circumstance? It, like I wrote it, but the um the person who owns the company, the deal he was doing, he was taking a bit of percentage of the writing to like finish up production. So yeah, he, he's like a technically a co-writer on it as well. But he, yeah. like everyone was cool without even like, without one, there was one hesitation. They were amazing. Like everyone involved, awesome. you know, they were so easy about it, but it wasn't funny. It was funny. Cause like, you know, <laughs> it's my piano, my voice, my song, like, okay. You know, that's that is wild. Yeah. For the artists out there who are trying, you know, who, who maybe make original music but are looking into getting into this other line of work. They want to do this, you know, making bespoke music for sync projects or doing film scoring. Do you have any advice for them on how to get into that side of the industry? Um, I mean, there's a lot of different ways. Um, I think that a lot of the times, um, you know, uh, sorry, I'm just trying to think now. You're saying basically if they're not an artist music they're trying to do it like because a lot of the times someone likes someone's music already and they go oh can i put that in a film but you're asking me what i'm doing um yeah um so because i i went to the canadian film center which is like the afi i guess of canada um they they kind of helped me with this like inroads of like um getting involved with like knowing producers of movies, producers of TV shows, directors, um, screenwriters, that kind of thing. So I guess my advice would be to get in touch with people who make film, who are making film and TV, because they're the ones who are going to need the content um, at the end of the day. So, and I know there are music supervisors that you can reach out to. Um, Sometimes they do ask for custom. They do ask for custom music, but for the most part, they are placing like music that's already done. But yeah, I would say if you want to get into film and TV, get in touch with people who make film and TV. Network, makes, network, yeah. network. And <laughs> network, 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 and, network. And honestly, like that program was amazing. So like, if there's other like programs that kind of help you connect in that world, especially if you have no idea, like you don't know anyone, um, that's. That was a huge, that was huge for me as well. Like if you have a publisher, like some people already have some things going on. It would just be like, ask your publisher. I want to do this and see if they can. And also ask, like ask for what you want, you know, ask people. Just yeah. ask, for ask for what you <laughs> want. Yeah. Use that network. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah. It is fortuitous, Ava, that you are here on a week where I have the awesome Katie Zaccardi joining us as a co-host because uh, she is, a, she coaches a lot of artists, uh, you know, and one of her areas where she really likes to work with artists is in, uh, helping them manage their mental health. And you, Ava, are a strong advocate of, uh, ensuring mental health among creators. And so I know, you know, as we talked about earlier in this interview, and as you've written and spoken about in the past, uh, you talk a lot about how you manage your own mental health throughout the creative process to make sure that you are of, you know, a sound well mind as you create and, you know, 
before and after the creative process as well. Yeah. Can you talk about, a little bit about what that journey means to you and, and maybe some of the things that you do to manage your mental health as a creator? Um, yeah, again, it's a lot of learning because, um, at the beginning of my career, again, like I would beat myself up over like a session that didn't go well. I didn't write the song as good as it should have been. So one of the biggest things I learned is to be super like kind and compassionate to the process. So don't, don't judge it. Don't like expect anything. Don't put pressure, you know, like that's the number one thing. Just like go in with like, um, a clear mind, like open, like, don't like, if you have a deadline, that could be hard, but like, yeah, just be kind and compassionate to yourself. That's like the first number one thing that I do. Um, I, I had to deliver, I have a deadline on Friday and like all weekend, I didn't work on it. And I was like, Oh my God, Ava. Oh my God. Like you're not going to get it done. Da, 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 da. But I wasn't ready. Like I simply was not ready to do it. <laughs> you know, like it's that simple. So just understanding that, acknowledging it and moving on from it and not judging myself or beating myself up about it. Uh, so that was like, that's number one. Um, and the other thing too is, you know, just doing anything that makes you feel grounded. Like some people go for a morning walk, meditate. Um, like I like to go walk for my coffee at a cafe. I just like, I like to do it. I like to make coffee at home, but I also, you know, like to go get a coffee. So I make that as part of my routine and just, um, yeah, don't let, like, if you're really in zoning in on a project and you have a deadline stuff, like put any like of those external factors, like relationships or like any drama, like if that's happening in your life where someone's like, yeah, if there's something going on on the side that's impacting you, uh, do your best just to like, sit, you know, say not today, not today <laughs> and just, <laughs> you know, focus, focus, you know, but again, like ground yourself. So if your, your thoughts are kind of like going all over the place, like I meditate a lot and I journal and I, you know, I go for walks. So that's what I do. Now, Katie, I know you and I on a past episode had a, a bit of a cool dialogue about avoiding negative self-talk in your music mm -hmm. career, avoiding situations where you beat yourself up as a, as a creator. And to me, a lot of things that Ava was talking about there is really kind of feeding off that is, yeah. you know, avoiding that kind of talk amongst yourself. Yeah. And I think that's so important. And I love what you shared about it because it's really easy to just like we were talking about before of expectations. And, and that's like the lesson in your song too, of being able to kind of be more at peace with yourself and with what's coming at you. And when you can start to control your thoughts a little bit more and, and notice the ones that aren't serving you and continue to go with the ones that are, not only are you obviously more at peace, but then you, you do better work <laughs> too, which yeah. is a win-win. So I love all the tips that you gave. It's so spot on for ways that you can do that because that grounding helps with that as well. When you're more present with yourself and with your body, you're also more present with your thoughts and then you can notice and be more calm and, um, almost like rational, if you will, but like be more um, aware of what's serving you and what's not and be able to move forward with a little bit more peace, not franticness of like, okay, this is just a rogue thought. That's fine. We're just going to leave it yeah. instead of like, this yeah. is the truth. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and the thing is, is that like, again, life is just full of lessons, but like another lesson is that like, we have so much control over ourselves, like over mm -hmm. our thoughts. You know, we, we do have the power to literally say, no, I'm not going to think that anymore. Like there's so much negative self-talk. There's so much 
there's so many ways to tell yourself you're like not good enough. You're not talented. You're not X, Y, Z. Like that literally we have the power, I believe, to just stop that, you know? Um, and when I do have those moments, like I find that I'm there way shorter now. I used to be there for a while. I'd get down and I'd sit there and I'd mull in it. Now I'm like, no, like, <laughs> but I, I had to train myself, you know, yes. like it's yeah. really like a, it, what I think what I realize is that it takes really hard work and dedication to get there to like, you know, value yourself and value that, you know, who you are and that you're, you're worthy. And yeah, it's, it takes, it took me a while, but yeah. We're so grateful for your insight, Ava. We encourage our listeners to Thanks. check out more about this artist. You can visit her at twitter.com slash Ava K music. Check out her music video for her song, Go. It's now in a place where we can all watch it outside of the context of a visual media project. So that's fantastic. Uh, it's been a real pleasure chatting with you. We've learned a lot. Yeah. Before we let you go, yeah. one last question we ask all the guests on this program. <laughs> Do you have any last tips for the indie creators out there to help them move their careers forward? Um, yeah, um, it's funny. I said, ask for what you want earlier. I, I'm in Los Angeles right now. And uh, my friends and I, we all just like have been rallying around each other to be like, what do you want? They're like, ask for it. Like, we're like, ask for <laughs> what you want, ask for what you want. So um, I think not being afraid uh, to ask for what you want and not being afraid to just go for it. You know, email that person you think who is not going to respond because they're X, Y, and Z or, you know, show up, just do it. Ask for what you want. I don't know if this is great advice or not, but <laughs> like, just like figure out a way to just bypass that fear and just do it. Like just, yeah, whatever it is you're trying to get, go for it. We can assure you that is excellent <laughs> advice. Ava, <Isn't> okay? <laughs> thank you so much for joining us this week. It has been thank an absolute so pleasure much. having you. Thank you so much. You guys are amazing. Thanks for having me. Oh, wow. That was fantastic. So one of the things, Katie, that she mentioned about like different ways that she handles her mental health that got me thinking about something I've been seeing on TikTok lately is when she spoke about how she takes walks and yeah. how that's an effective mental health device. There's been this really funny recurring theme on TikTok lately where a bunch of uh, young TikTokers go, basically the whole the whole trope is, uh, I'm actually listening to the you know stupid advice it's, my it's therapist, therapist gives me. Yeah. Did you see John Green made a video? John Green, yeah, that was the one I saw. <laughs> I literally today. saw it two hours ago or something. Yeah. Like, and it's so funny the frustration that it actually works. Yeah. <laughs> like, so yeah, John Green's like he's like I'm going on a stupid walk through yeah. the stupid woods because my stupid therapist said it will make <laughs> me feel better. And now I'm mad because it works. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to keep doing it. <laughs> I have to keep totally doing get. it. <laughs> yeah, and it is one of those things where, uh, and Ava's in the chat saying, walks are the best. They are the best. <laughs> I take one every day, and if I don't get my walk in, I am super cranky. Yeah, I getting a dog was, like, necessary because then I get, I have to go on walks. Otherwise, I, I probably would make excuses. But it's true. It's funny when you find something that helps you, and then you keep doing it. But the catch is that you have to keep doing it. Like, a lot of times, like, with walks, you do some walks, and then you're like, okay, I'm good. And I don't have to walk anymore. Or, or I don't have to do X, Y, Z anymore. But then when you stop, you realize that actually, no, you have to keep going. Like yeah. it's, it's that consistency that helps you stay grounded regularly. So that's right. I feel it's like, you Oh, the walks worked. I guess I don't have to do it anymore. Yeah, nope. Check. 
And I was like, no, <laughs> that's not how it works. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Huge game changer for me, like just taking walks regularly. Got a great guest next week, Katie. We're going to be joined by songwriter and NYU music professor Michael Erico. Love talking with the academics that are way smarter than all of us about the Love latest stuff happening. Mm hmm. Yeah. I got a. <laughs> We are uh, uh, repping the alma maters there. Love it. Yes. <laughs> uh, Katie, speaking of people that I love talking to, it's been a pleasure chatting with you this week. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me as always. And thanks to our producer, Lauren. Our thanks to Ava Kay. And thanks to all of you viewers and listeners for checking out Break the Business. We will see you next week. Break.